welcome back everybody to the anti-diet club podcast i am back here in front of my mic looking at my co-host tamsin over zoom how are you tamsin i'm good yeah not too bad thanks how are you yeah i'm good i'm um sat here in amongst a pile of boxes and moving house again third move in 18 months wow oh my goodness are you ready for the movie you packed yeah I'm I'm no I'm not I'm not I'm not physically ready but I'm emotionally (laughs) ready (laughs) um I'm not uh I mean everything like I've got the movers books I've got all my boxes here ready to go um I just need to pack them but yeah I'm ready to like I'm ready to move on to this next um phase I suppose I'm excited yeah it feels it feels really good yeah yeah it's good yeah it's exciting it's not long is it now and you yeah, get settled in your new place. Yeah. I know. That's good. I know. Um, but we are here today to talk because tomorrow is International No Diet Day. Yep. 5th of May. No, 6th of May. It's Today's the 6th of May. Yeah. Um, go out on the 5th. Yeah. So, how are we feeling about that? What's your, when you see that in the calendar coming up, what springs to mind in terms of? how the world maybe perceives International No Diet Day. Yeah, I think I think the media has a bit of a um, kind of backdrop to this that I don't love, I've got to be honest. And it's not that I don't want to, you know, promote uh, anti-diet, but I'm not sure that this day completely does. I think sometimes it misses the point or the message is missed. Because mm. to me, you know, it's about, um, it. There's there's a lot more behind it in terms of, you know, not dieting and anti-diet movement but I don't think it captures that when you see it in the media or I done a really really quick search of international no diet day 2023 and just gone to an image search and what comes mm-hmm. up is just pictures of people quite often larger bodied people mm-hmm. eating things like chocolate and burgers things that are considered to be unhealthy mm-hmm. and I think it reinforces this idea that we are just a product of calories in calories out which we know not to be true and Mm. it just reinforces this idea that not dieting means you are eating food that is considered not healthy for you Mm -hmm. that's not how the majority of my clients eat that's not how I eat that's Mm -hmm. not how most people in large bodies fat bodies that's not how people eat they don't never eat fruit vegetables all that kind of stuff yeah it's not a day that will be considered to be I think it just gets this kind of comes across as the message that people are just binging on this day it's a like 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 the fuck it kind of like throw caution to the wind and fuck it let's just eat all the burgers for a day Mm, but then there's an underlying kind of message of like and then tomorrow we diet which is you know kind of like a cheat day right yeah that's what it feels like it's like a an international cheat day that um loses its meaning completely yeah, of course, because it's kind of like there's still there's still this conditionality around it of like to have a cheat day or to have an international no diet day where you just like throw caution to the wind. But it's all positioned on the premise of like, but then we need to get back on the wagon tomorrow to kind of compensate or to yeah. um, course correct somehow. Yeah. 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 What then? I mean, it. I guess what it speaks to to me when I think of no diet day is I've been thinking a lot recently about how 
when I speak to people about the kind of work that I do or um, any kind of conversations out in the wild about about diets, it's kind of amazing to me that we are diet culture is so prevalent and so pervasive yet at the same time everyone's like oh yeah diets don't work like yeah like everyone knows diets don't work right um I had someone reach out to me recently talking about um binge eating asking about binge eating and I was saying you know in my experience, a lot of a lot of um, the symptoms that we see around binge eating stems from restriction, and then and then the words were no longer like no sooner out my mouth before they jump in and they're like, "But I don't diet, but I don't restrict," and I think that's where people then just stop the conversation, right? So when people see international no diet, they, oh, but I don't diet because I don't mm-hmm. go to Weight Watchers or because I don't like count calories. So, so I'm not a dieter, but like, that's actually not even, I mean, even though I know we both work a lot with people who are chronic formal dieters, mm-hmm. there's this whole swathe of people out there who don't formally diet, but are still indoctrinated into a diet behavior, a diet mentality, a diet way mm-hmm. of thinking. And it's, it's like you can't see what you can't see. No. Sorry, is, you can't. Do I have that right? You, yeah, you, you can't, can't. You can't. You like, don't bring know to what you light, can't see, what right? You can't see or you can't. You don't realize it's happening because exactly. it's so subtle. And sometimes it can be really, really subtle. And people say, you know, I don't restrict. I don't. I, I allow myself everything. For me, the it's not necessarily a red flag. But I notice when people say I allow myself, mm. I quite often will dive into that a little bit more, like talk me through what that means. Because if you are saying it like in this, that way, to me, that still has an undertone of I allow myself to judgment. a point. Mm, there's a judgment. point, there's a limit, there's an area of I will allow myself to go to the edges of here. Mm-hmm. There will still be some kind of restriction in terms of like maybe portion size, maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's on the plate, like there has to be a certain amount of, you know, vegetables or whatever, whatever it might be. There's, there's not, there's not no rules at all. Mm-hmm. And also then we dive into well, what in terms of body size is allowed? Because quite often mm-hmm. if this conversation starts talking about binge eating, we start talking about food and then we start talking about, you know, not dieting. And like you said, people are, are very much in agreement. With that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's, you know, diets don't work, but then that leads on to, yeah, diets make us fat and that's a bad thing. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. fat being bad. And we, mm-hmm. when I start talking about fat liberation of fat acceptance mm-hmm. it's you can see people are just like they want to agree because they've agreed mm-hmm. with me to that point mm-hmm. but actually I know that they don't and they're thinking oh but hang on what about health and then we dive into that or they want to agree from a social justice perspective right yeah it's maybe like, oh, I I know that like actually I want to be the kind of person that's like very accepting of of everyone but it's so hard isn't it for people yeah. to be like oh you like it's not it's not healthy to be that size or it's not healthy to eat those kinds of foods. Mm. Um, And you're right. It's like, it's like a ring fencing, right. Of like, here's my edges of what feels true and right and comfortable and correct and like morally 
you know, um, the right thing to do. But beyond that is, is dangerous. It's fearful. It's Mm. the danger. It's the danger zone. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that stems from um, what we have experienced recently. And I say recently, maybe in, I don't know, the last mm, 15 years, maybe I would say this kind of new wave of the body positive movement. It's hard yeah. to kind of pinpoint precisely, but maybe the last 15 years of um of what I would say is a very much a whitewashed kind of integrated into what we see as 21st century wellness culture, mm. predominantly dominated by thin, white, young, able-bodied, attractive women on social media. Yeah. Um, kind of in some ways advocating for body positivity, but getting back to what you said is it's 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 very much got its limits. Yeah, it's it's body positivity doesn't stretch to fat positivity. No, whereas that was actually the backdrop of it. It was mm-hmm. you know intended to be fat acceptance, mm-hmm. not you know body positivity. To me, still focuses on your your um how you feel your body looks to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's still again like you said there's still you can in my mind if you're um body positive or you know you're talking about body liberation fat acceptance you don't have to like how you look you don't have mm-hmm. to um be saying anything about your body actually you're just living your life and and, and not going into that at all and not that not being a feature yeah but body positivity is very I think there's just like you said, there's so much on social media with people, you know, showing their body positive by sitting at angles that were deemed not acceptable by mm-hmm. wearing clothes that were deemed not acceptable unless it was only certain size people and women. And what I see happen with that is a lot of what I would consider small fat or even straight sized women mm-hmm. being targeted by trolls and people saying oh my gosh that's disgusting put it away and then what happens to the rest of us what how Mm -hmm. do we you know and then that actually doesn't help I think sometimes I know that I do is there to support us you know feeling fear in our bodies and being represented on the internet but I'm just sometimes feel that maybe there's some harm there when you dive into the comments of some of these things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. actually a lot of people in there really I think those people's bodies as they are yeah yeah and also I think there's what I was thinking when you were speaking there was two two things about this idea of of positivity right it's kind of like yeah we can so there's this one thing of like yeah we can like we can like be okay with our carbs or our like little rolls of fat so long as we're healthy right which is which is completely ableist right it's like it's like we can we can accept being curvier or more rounded so long as like it's health what counts right it's our health that counts so it's Mm -hmm. like dressing up this kind of um body positive body positivity through the notion of so so long as we're pursuing health it's it's okay to be in a bigger body um and then this other thing that springs to mind about the conditionality of like so long as we are thinking positively about our body right and it's like again that feels really ableist it's like 
well, what about what about the fat people out there who don't think positively about their body? Mm. Because it's difficult to feel positive about your body when the world tells you at every turn that your body is wrong, right? Yeah. And also, how is it possible to be healthy in a body like that when you're so heavily stigmatized and discriminated against? Yeah, and, and especially in medical, the medical field, like, you know, the medical weight stigma and anti-fat bias really affects people's ability to access health Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or things that might support their health there was a study I read or or I read about a study I think it was in Christy Harrison's book anti-diet and it was something that she referred to in terms of they surveyed people in in all different size bodies all across the weight spectrum and the people that actually had the um, most positive um, like markers of health mm. so like cardiovascular health like all the like from blood work um were people who believed themselves to be um who thought of themselves with, with unconditional positive regard right yeah. so the people who are accepting of themselves people who feel you know good about themselves mm-hmm. irrespective of their weight actually had better health markers that really speaks to the opposite right if someone in um a bigger body is discriminated against and 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 suffers from a lot of um prejudice and discrimination and weight stigma that is going to in and of itself result yeah. in negative health outcomes yeah. right if you believe yourself to be wrong and bad and 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 terrible like of course that's going to show up somewhere right yeah and also that's that to me is just reminding me of like it links back to feelings of shame because mm. underneath all that if you are feeling that about yourself and thinking that you um are the problem and that you are doing something wrong by existing in your body that leads to shame mm-hmm. and that that sense of shame can lead you to not taking part in things that might be health promoting or you know not eating in a way that might be health promoting because it feels it shame can cause all sorts of reactions can't it like in how we take care of ourselves and how we um just everything stress like it just adds to the stress of just existing in a very stressful world as it is in the world absolutely and 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 that feeling makes you makes people feel like I need to change something. I need to make a change. Yeah. And the only change, because we exist in diet culture that we know of, yeah. is to jump onto a, a, a diet bandwagon because how health is positioned in this country and in, in the West, arguably, you know, globally, mm. is exists in thin bodies. So we don't pursue health. We pursue thinness because it's conflated mm-hmm. as exactly the same thing, right? Yeah, um, moral virtue. Yeah, yeah. And and I think what feels um important, I think, to mention is is, you know, as two young-ish, able-bodied white women um who are, you know, come with a lot of privileges, small fat women, cisgendered, um, we very easily, like I feel like in a different world, we very easily could be um like body positive influencers in a way that mm. we've just criticized right in a way that like um ignores i think the 
origins of what what is the actual what was the actual um body positive movement from back in the 60s where which was very much rooted in and i think this is this is actually the crux that i'm getting getting to here is rooted in liberation yes not rooted in positivity Mm -hmm. and that's what i think what differentiates our work to your kind of swathe of of body positive influencers is that actually what we're interested in is the systems of oppression the systems that we exist within the intersectionality of um body politics i think is what i want to speak to um we understand that the body positive movement originated in the 60s for fat black women right there was a a thing called in um central park in new york city a thing called a fatten so like a sit-in um by black fat women who were just um so angry and frustrated and disappointed in the neglection of the of them Mm. in terms of care and support particularly around um health services but but just socially how how they were regarded right um and that really is where our our kind of body liberation movement as we know now began but you wouldn't know that from your regular body positive influencer on on, on the internet you're not going to get that message from instagram that's not that's not what's coming to the forefront at all even on my own you know curated newsfeed it's that's not that's not really um what's coming out at all and I in some ways I wouldn't say it's coming out that obvious in my own if that makes sense I think there's Mm -hmm. still work to do there in terms of talking about this more because when we look you know when I was looking back at the history of um this movement of like fat acceptance you know again that political stance was oh, hang on a minute, you know, if we're going to be talking about race as well, then it's going to water down the message of fat acceptance. And then again, people of colour were just excluded again. Mm-hmm. And there's assumptions made about black communities that they are more accepting of bigger bodies and don't need mm-hmm. fat activism. And that just isn't true. So again, you know, women's fat black women's voices were not being heard at mm. all. Um, Another example of whitewashing, right? Yeah. Like whitewashing something. And when I hear you speak about that, what comes to mind to me is particularly right now, a lot of um, rhetoric around and discussion debate around um trans rights and mm. um, trans folks rights and and the the kind of white feminist views that come around mm. fr- from this right and, and and that really what you've just said there is the epitome of of white feminism it's like well it, it's like how close can we get to like it, the the kind of proximity to power right mm-hmm. we all want to like climb up the ladder and it's like okay well as as women if we want um you know, bigger bodies to be accepted, then we we can get um we can only get that if we if we leave others behind, right? Yeah. We can only get closer to acceptance of bodies if we leave these people behind. And of course, like when we talk about I, I seen a quote the other day about somebody said you know this idea that inclusivity has gone too far. It's like that's not a thing you to go too far like inclusivity means everyone 
Yeah. Everyone, right? And I see this in the yoga world. It's like there's a the whole yeah. body positive thing in the yoga world as well, right? And it's like okay, I'm all for I'm one of the big biggest proponents of like how do we get people in bigger bodies um comfortable on the mat and feel like it's somewhere where they belong. Like I'm totally for that. But that's not at the exclusion of people with like illnesses or injuries yeah. or disabilities, right? It's it it is yoga. When you say it's for everyone, it's for wheelchair users. It's for people who practice on a chair. Mm. It's for people who can only practice lying down. It's mm. for people who don't have any limbs and breath work is their yoga practice. Like it's truly for everyone. And the same when it comes to body positivity, like it cannot be at the exclusion of anyone but the current body positive rhetoric is very much I think exclusionary um I saw I saw something sorry I'm really hogging the mic today I saw something yesterday about um and I'm trying really hard not to be on social media too much right now but so I didn't look into this but I glanced at somebody who has been really critical of um there's a like a brand called Skims like a clothing brand called Skims who do like uh they do like underwear type things yeah and there was some there was somebody I think an influencer or somebody famous being really critical about skims because they used a we they they had a wheelchair user as a model, mm. and that's where this thing of like inclusivity's gone too far. It's like mm, wheelchair users wear underwear, yeah, <laughs> like, like what I might like, want to be comfortable and why is that <laughs> gone too far? Like yes. it's it's completely abhorrent to me that 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 can even be a thing um we need to absolutely be giving voice and representation yeah. to everybody who wear skims to everybody who wants to get on a yoga mat to everybody who has a body there's no liberation without mm-hmm. us all being liberated right like yeah yeah I'm on my high horse it's today. good you need to be on your high horse because it's absolutely true we can't we can't be talking about inclusivity if there's there's edges to it it needs to just if there's be, conditions to it absolutely you know, I think people are still struggling with that and that's the message that we're trying to bring is that when we are helping people in their own journey is helping them to see how these uh political systems and these things even just so much as like a, a, a their social media feed is not giving them the whole picture, the whole story Mm -hmm. and opening their eyes to that. It will help them in their own journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think most people really struggle with the idea that they have any opinions on other people's bodies, really struggle Mm -hmm. with that. And I know that that's a really tough thing to even acknowledge, let alone really kind of talk through. But I think it's really, really important that we do because um, I did a I did a menopause um, thing, as you know, I've been getting in my high horse about menopause and mm-hmm. how women are just have this real focus about um, stomachs and, and, mm-hmm. and we're just told to lose the weight and blah, blah, blah. And I had a lot of people reaching out to me saying that they had been refused um, any treatment or um, looking into their menopause symptoms because they they were told they had to go away and lose weight first. So I got onto my soapbox oh like this, started God. doing some lo- some local um, workshops and mm-hmm. I had a 20 minutes to talk to this group of women. There's about 25 people there. 
And I opened with a little exercise and I asked them to think about the body part that they can't stand of themselves of their, on their mm-hmm. own body, that mm-hmm. they would shrink or change, that they really try and hide, that they really struggle with. Um, and within about two and a half seconds, if not less, people were like, oh yeah, this, 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 the hands raised, mm-hmm. all the kind of stuff. And then I quite casually just said to them, and now I want you to turn to the person to your left or your right. It doesn't matter if you know them or not, just give them a good look up and down and then decide which body part of theirs that you would have them shrink or change mm-hmm. and the entire room was have there's this sharp intake the of discomfort, breath it was yeah. like oh, you want us to do what and I was like I am obviously not being serious but the shock and the horror that you mm-hmm. had of mm-hmm. being told to perhaps look at somebody in that way through those eyes yeah through those eyes but when I asked you to do it for yourself you were not horrified or disgusted that I'd asked you to do that you were like yeah Mm -hmm. yeah you know and I think Mm -hmm. we have to draw attention to that that we a lot of it does go on ourselves yeah but we do by having opinions of our own bodies we naturally must have opinions of others we just don't like to be considered Mm -hmm. to be outwardly that person or that you know thinking that way yeah yeah totally and I'm curious about the the kind of whole perimenopause thing that you're doing right now the the kind of thing that this thing that you're focusing on um you can even tell by the way that talking about it that I'm like trying to distance myself from it because (laughs) I am very much perimenopausal uh age and refusing to um learn (laughs) anything about it um but from what and and I think this is where it comes from what I do know and what I have seen and observed and what I've heard from friends and other people is it's a breeding ground of diet culture and I think that's why I'm feeling so resistant to it because it's like well who the fuck do I learn from because I don't want to be told that the best way to um, manage my symptoms is to lose weight or control my food or my diet or something like that. And I just feel like it's a landmine wait for me waiting to be stood on. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I don't have it in me to go there. Right. And yeah, be so like vigilant with it all. Um, but, you know, again, this is another area when we think of like international no diet day, this thing of like, oh yeah, diets don't work. But yet here's another field mm. where we absolutely believe that in order to um, feel better, to relieve symptoms, that there is no other option, but to um, mm. try to control their weight. And I see this a lot with with, with women, including myself, um, who tend to put on weight on weight in the middle of our bodies right which is a classic uh like menopausal symptom yes, right life kind of symptom isn't it that this talked about a lot yeah and yeah it's like so I'm so intrigued about the fact that if if we as a population of women tend to all like or, or, or a lot of us experience it why is it wrong like, yeah. why have we all then collectively decided that this thing that happens to almost all of us, we're collectively trying to make it not happen or shrink it or remove it or get rid of it? Or it's like, exactly that. Well, if it's happened to all of us, is it not just something that our bodies like need to do? 
exactly that that I, this we're diving into another topic here but i'm happy about it because i'm going to do a whole episode on this you, you right. know um, so you're going to be who i'm going to learn from yeah well absolutely because you're right there isn't anyone else to learn from but again it's like collectively we know that when women go through pregnancy we're going to expect to see expansion of their stomach mm-hmm. but again with something like a body change in women it's oh but not too much you know it's we're getting back into this like there's edges there's barriers there's there's too much there's 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 limits all the time on women's bodies and you know perimenopause is no different pregnancy is no different post-pregnancy it's constant throughout our lives and I think you know what I think we probably you know need to maybe dive into in this episode is where does that stem from where does that come from well I I mean, are you asking? Because I feel like you've also got some, is it a rhetorical question? Because I feel like maybe you have some answers. Do you know what, <laughs> yeah, do do you know what words sprang to mind? I, I think this is like maybe separate to like uh, what you might be thinking. The word that sprang to mind when I heard you say that was misogyny. Yeah. That's what sprang to mind. I was like, yeah. we're like, we are living in such a misogynistic world that women's bodies always have been um you know for the pleasure and the delight of men perfect segue into exactly what I'm about to tell you oh okay <laughs> I didn't mention before we came on but so we're we're talking like you know 1920s onwards here so we're talking sort of world war one era right mm-hmm. there's I was reading up on a lot of the stuff that was going on around that time and not only were we starting to talk about um you know larger bodies being seen as not disciplined and not um, in control. But then there comes this sudden focus on women. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, women are being told that if you are in control and you are showing, this is the word willpower kind of comes into play at Mm -hmm. this point. If you are in control of your weight and your body, you are um, seen as, you know, patriotic for a start but you're what? Also, why patriotic because it's about the world war one and, and sharing of food and they're being oh, like rash, like political thing. but okay. on the back drop of that as we're starting to come out of that time mm-hmm. they're also women are also being told this is how you keep your man what yes yes i know i know I knew oh, you, you know how to get my blood boy but i know but Bear in mind, we're talking about the 1920s here, right? Women didn't have bank accounts till 1975. So yeah. if you think about the, the the messaging that women were getting around that time, and they're not going to be getting there, you know, they're having you haven't got social media and loads of different newspapers and stuff. Your 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 world is very limited. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a big expansion of like news outlets and TV like TV channels mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So you can't search for something else, mm-hmm. and you've got. You're, you're, you know, women are considered to be owned by men and mm-hmm. control, you know, we are there for the men, like you just mm-hmm. said. Um, we are seen as men's property mm-hmm. because they own the bank accounts and the thing that in the money and the control and, you know, because with money comes control. Yeah. And so you can see how women I can see why women like my grandmother's age when well, she was born in the 1920s, so maybe not, maybe her mother wouldn't have been fighting back against that because you don't have the means to be going, oh, well, no, I'm not, I'm not, this is, this is not, you know, uh, there's no uproar because mm-hmm. you haven't got access to funds or anything else. Mm. You think we haven't got access to funds. There's other things we wouldn't have had access to. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I think what I'm trying to say is we don't realize that that's not that long ago. I mean, 
1975, women are first getting bank accounts then. My brother was born in 1977. So this is like my parents, my grandparents' yeah. era filtered down. Yeah. And I know. The information's generational, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if I think about my own family, my nan had absolutely no in she had no interaction with the finances at all. Mm-hmm. None whatsoever. She didn't open any mail. That was my granddad's job. My granddad died um, and she was in her 60s. And then my dad had to take over, her son had to take over her finances because she had absolutely mm-hmm. no way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And no, no, you know, that she didn't have the confidence to do it, let alone anything else. Yeah. So the system continued. And, yeah. you know, that family line and, you know, my dad's no longer here, but my nan is here and mm-hmm. my brother is in control of that now. Yeah. It was handed to my brother Mm-hmm. it's really interesting isn't it and we yeah. think oh are we coming away from that are we you know do we have more um freedoms and more say yes and no I just think the patterns of behavior the cultural stuff is handed to us still through our family systems and it's very pervasive so what you're saying if I'm hearing you right is there was a point in time a hundred years ago or so whereby our body size and controlling our appetite um, was really important, not to, not just to show kind of patriotism and from what we learned in Sabrina Strings' book, Fearing the Black mm-hmm. Body, also about religion and what it means to mm-hmm. be a good Christian woman, yep. uh, Protestant Christian woman. Um, but also what I'm hearing you say is like, in order to um, seek safety, right and security yeah in order to keep sort of have your place in the world as a good wife somebody who is going to in your words like keep their man right or get a man yeah keep their man um and then that obviously also extends to like the the likelihood of having children and then keeping your children exactly Um, the safety that comes with that it's like that that is all predicated on how yeah. much you can ascribe to what is seen and and I, and the thing is in the 20s right the body that that was um positioned as being the beauty ideal of the day is going to be different to how it is now mm. but that's kind of irrelevant because it's still um you're right it's about it's about it's about power ultimately mm-hmm. right and women women not having power not being liberated not being um autonomous and mm-hmm. being the ability to 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 have self-sufficiency um to the degree that we have now but that mentality still continues through yeah, the lineage it does lineages yeah, it's generational. And this is why I'm so often talking about breaking these generational cycles. It can end with us. You know, so many of the clients that I see and people that come into my world want to not be passing this on to their kids, especially girls. Mm-hmm. They are recognizing that there's something in that, but they maybe can't explain it mm-hmm. um, or know to kind of put it into words of how it is. But this is why I think it's important that we talk about, we can literally see in history where this starts to become a norm, a trend. And like you say, something which women would have had to, I'm putting myself back in their shoes. I would have had to have been seeking safety, like you mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. And I think then you know, we start to see so much more around, you know, fatness as being a failing. And I think 
what I want to draw people's attention to listening to this is we're talking about the last hundred years. Okay. Prior to that, like, you know, fat bodies were seen as uh, people who had wealth and were, were, were able to resist disease and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it changed in the last hundred years. But for a hundred years, we have been trying to make fat people, thin people with zero success. Mm-hmm. So why are we still doing these same things? If you mm-hmm. think that the diets that they were doing in the 1920s don't exist today, or the, the things that people do, if they don't even call it a diet, mm-hmm. aren't being done today, they are. Calorie mm-hmm. counting started mm-hmm. back in the late 1800s, and mm-hmm. we are still seeing that today. There's mm-hmm. calories in, calories out. Even little things, that I was reading this, it's fascinating. Even little things like hot lemon water in the morning. That's mm-hmm. still a very much a big oh, that is. wellness yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Now, a hundred years later, it isn't making fat people thin. Mm-hmm. And if you think for even one second that fat people haven't been trying all this stuff, we've tried it all. We yeah. have tried everything. It's not that we haven't yeah. discovered dieting or, yeah. you know, restriction. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. not it's not worked and nobody is paying any attention to that or talking about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, by declaring like obesity as a disease and it being this like <laughs> epidemic that is spreading throughout the world, um, there is not a single country in the world that has reduced its so-called quote unquote no. obesity rates. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. And that is that is a larger kind of representation of the fact that there is not a single person in the world who has actually found a way to successfully shrink human bodies. It doesn't exist. In the long term, it doesn't exist. Um, Because, you know, there's, I would guess, not many fat people out there who, if there were some quick fix, wouldn't take it to try and like escape oppression, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if it existed, we wouldn't have um we wouldn't have the amount of fat bodies that we have mm-hmm. today. But the reason that we do is because fat bodies have al- always existed. We've just decided now that um, as you say, for the past hundred years, that um they're somehow you know, wrong and disgusting and mm. need to be changed. Um, it, yeah, it's 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 that per- pervasiveness that filters through into everything that makes people believe because it's so part of the air that we that we breathe and the water that we swim in that we're somehow not dieters when we are all, unless you're actively mm-hmm. doing anti-diet work, everyone subscribes to a diet way of being a diet way of thinking a way of thinner is better we need to control our foodie that food thus to control our body that if you've not done anti-diet work my guess would be that is how you think and if you're a woman but also there's swathes of men that that, and and non-binary people that that feel that way too right yeah um yeah so how do we want to wrap up? What what would you let me ask you this? Here we are speaking um a day out from no diet day. You and I have been doing this anti-diet work for years now. Why is it that we take this approach? Because let's face it, if we were in the game of wanting to make money or become <laughs> famous, 
or be popular, we, we <laughs> wouldn't be doing this work, right? We wouldn't be doing it. Why is it that you, Tamsin Broster, take <laughs> this approach? Well, I think it's a really good question, actually. Yeah, you're right. If I wanted to be um, famous or in any way kind of solvent, it wouldn't be the route to go. And I do see yeah. so many people kind of just straddling the threshold of I'm going to be non-diet but not non-weight loss and I think that has a money thing behind it yeah um for me it's because I absolutely want to break this generational cycle that's the first thing I don't want my kids either of them to grow up thinking that their bodies are a problem and that need to be fixed and shrink and change just to get on in life at all. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much benefit for all of us to be so aware of where all these systems of oppression start, because if you can trace it back to the start, you can, it helps you come out of it more because you, it's got, you can see the shaky ground that it kind of it starts from mm -hmm. and you can see the misogyny and you can see the racism in the BMI and the exclusion of, of you know, women and mm -hmm. um, anybody other than white men. Mm -hmm. And when you start to know those things, it's easier to pull yourself out of it. It's easier not to be diving back into it. And the other reason for me is because I want to see particularly women, because I do, I do pretty much work with women um, I want to see them be able to just live without the, my body is the thing that needs to be fixed before I can live. We are here for such a short time. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I can see people are constantly um, just ruled by this idea that they are not good enough and they're holding mm -hmm. themselves back in ways they can't even see. Mm -hmm. And every single person that I speak to that I help that comes crosses my path there will be something that they are not able to do and do you know what they might be able to live their life without you know not really ever knowing that but it's when you start tapping into it and you can see how people's lives change and I think the interesting thing for me sorry this is a long answer but going it's into this work to do this with people is the realization that actually you're not changing a massive system of oppression by yourself you, that's just not going to be the case and it, but what you're doing is allowing yourself I know I'm helping them learn how to live free within that as free as they can possibly mm -hmm. be to advocate mm -hmm. for themselves to have a voice to not to feel seen and heard and that in itself is powerful yeah. and the more people that can do that mm -hmm. yes it won't change overnight but gradually hopefully yeah. if we only yeah. go as far as being positive about our bodies well most people won't actually bother getting to that point mm. and yeah the more people you know, as, as you say like it, you're interested in like the the generational shifts right and mm. that does with one person but the ripple effect through their own family and their own friendship circles it actually mm. is really powerful it does create um micro change then then breeds right it spreads into bigger uh, bigger changes so yeah what yeah. about you talk me through well you know I am a feminist I want women rise all women rise um I feel like we from I mean speaking from personal experience I just 
this growing awareness of feeling caged and shackled by patriarchy. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the most powerful ways that we can shift that is by feeling more embodied, more accepting of our bodies, understanding that our body is not the problem because so so long as we continue to believe that our bodies are the problem, we are going to be suppressed. We're going to be undermined. We're going to be violated, right? Yeah. We have to believe that our bodies are not the problem in order to shift these bigger things, in order to rise, in order to have a voice, progress rights, in order to fucking rights. We need to believe in ourselves and um, believe in each other. And we can't do that while we're preoccupied with calories and our, the size of our genes. That has to be not a thing in yeah. order for us to, 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 to rise. Um, so I hope that is this work. Uh, I, want, I want people to do what they to do and it, and all of shit around the body is just huge fucking distraction um so yeah it's it's um it's just such a joy to work with people to see that tension release that anxiety release and for them we've spoken before about to like myself and everyone me who does this work into who they're who they actually are who are you when you're not you can't begin to understand that until you get your life back and your brain space back and your confidence so yeah I'm here for no diet day but I'm here for like a no diet world yeah every day every day is no diet because dieting um sucks <laughs> yeah and every day can be no diet day without feeling like it's a binge it doesn't need to be that way at all um so yeah i think that's a good place to uh wrap up um we'll leave it there yeah. we'll leave it there i'll catch you next time yeah see you soon